is uh, one of the earliest texts, the Sutta Nipata. There's a chapter called The Way to the Beyond, where the Buddha receives 16 students who have questions for him. This is Ajitta's question. What is it, said Ajitta, that smothers the world? What makes the world so hard to see? What would you say pollutes the world and threatens it most? It is ignorance which smothers, said the master, and it is carelessness and greed which makes the world invisible. The hunger of desire pollutes the world, and the great source of fear is the pain of suffering. In every direction, said Ajita, the rivers of desire are running, How can we dam them, and what can hold them back? What can we use to close the floodgates? Any river, said the master, can be stopped with the dam of mindfulness. I call mindfulness the flood stopper, and I call wisdom that which can close the floodgates. So our practice, establishing mindful awareness, contemplation of our experience here and now, been practicing bringing that to the first foundation, the breath in the body, breath within the body, feeling each breath, being with each breath, the rising and falling, expansion and contraction. Allowing that rhythm of breathing, the sensation of the body, the feeling of sitting in our seat to steady and ground our attention, to be here, returning again and again, contemplating within the sphere of mindfulness, the experience in the second frame of mindfulness, the experience of feeling. There's always some quality of feeling, felt sense within the bodily experience, feeling within the mental experience, to know feeling just as this in in the training of mindful attention, rather than becoming so reactive around what is felt, to just have the bare awareness, bare knowing this is feeling, this is painful feeling. And I'm experiencing this is pleasurable feeling. And this is or neutral with the sensation in the palms of the hands, the soles of the feet. You know, the mostly there's quite a lot of neutral experience. We d- we tend not to notice neutral experience so much because the mind is attuned more to to intensity. So we notice a lot more around pain and the feeling of pleasure, sense, pleasurable sense, taste, sounds, feeling tones. In meditation we hone more to the neutral, the breath is quite neutral, the days here there's nothing too dramatic happening, 
externally anyway. And, you know, we can say, oh, this is boring, same old day. But actually, as a, as a meditator, we, we attune the attention to the moments of ordinariness, <clears throat> walking, seeing the, the trees, the leaves, the snow falling, the sky, <clears throat> the feeling of the breath, the body, sort of slowing down enough, being patient enough to be with the neutral, which is a, again this support of the doorway into this more dispassion, non-grasping territory. The Buddha talked of how painful and pleasant feeling is a place of great reactivity for us. He talked about how it's like when there's painful feeling, that there's a tendency then to not only experience pain, but to increase that pain through the mental aversion to what is felt and what is experienced. In this he said it's like you have one arrow already, the arrow of a painful feeling, but then you, you push in a second arrow, which is this reactivity, and therefore increasing the tendency towards aversion. Or in the sphere of, of pleasant feeling, we crave to have even a, a pleasant taste, often that arises out of a painful experience. And then we have, again, these two arrows. We, we crave and seek for the pleasant, or we experience the pleasant, and then the second arrow is the desire for that, the desire to maintain that. And when there is the desire to maintain that, and then as the, as the Buddha said to Ajitta, it's like this endless floodgate, the flooding out of aversion and desire. So a moment of mindfulness to recollect, this is just pleasant feeling. And particularly when there's a strong, painful state that's felt in the body, generated through strong reactivity of the mind, perhaps even activating very deep patterns around painful feeling that are within our conditioning from very early on connected with some trauma, connected with very, very primitive feelings sometimes, fear, anxiety. And there can be moments of just rather than, why me? What did I do? What should I do? You know, I've got to do a big project. And it's not to say that we shouldn't do a big project. Maybe there is the, it's important to seek out therapeutic support, bodywork support, those are all very, very supportive resources. But in the moment when we're here and we can't maybe rush to someone, this is where the strength of the cultivation of mindfulness, mindfully knowing this is just an unpleasant feeling, painful feeling. And really it's just that much. We just, this much what's in front of us when we start to become reactive and lost, we can build a huge story and feel it's always going to be like this. It's never been any different. And then we start to collapse and feel overwhelmed. But just to the, 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 the clarity and the presence of mind, 
and the bringing of attention to what is felt, dukkha. This is dukkha. Not I am suffering and therefore I'm a failure. I've got to struggle, start struggling. Just this very dispassionate, this is dukkha. And there is within dukkha this experience of this moment of painful feeling. The same with feeling and the third foundation, the seeing and the noticing of how feeling and mind states arise together. The mind affected by lust and greed, seeking, longing, the mind affected by hate and aversion, irritation, the mind affected by delusion and confusion and uncertainty, the mind contracted and dull or distracted and restless. To be able to know these mind states with the clear clarity of mindfulness and clear comprehension, contemplating these states. This is just a mind, feeling, thinking, perception, moments of the consciousness of me, the the sense of me experiencing this, and replacing the usual reactivity and compounded nature of that, how we compound that, around a sense of self, compound the struggle. Just a moment of this is unpleasant feeling, unpleasant state. Maybe there's also pleasant, exalted, expansive, pleasurable sensation, surpassed, transcendent, concentrated, focused, liberated, We can also notice the mind in these states. And then there's a tendency, I want this to stay. I want this meditation not to stop. So this uh, Master Xinhua, the great um, meditation master, we had the great privilege to learn from, He, he said, See the state turn rather than being turned by the state. This is the activity of mindfully closing the floodgate, reversing the flood of the mind, not flowing out with those states into reactivity and aversion, But, or as Ajahn Chah said, catch the state with your mindfulness and contemplate it before you react. Catch what's felt and explore it, investigate until you start to see the state turn. And what remains, what seems so big, there's moments when that state begins to cease you can, sometimes what happens is we go into the content. Why, why is this happening? What does it mean? And the, the story, what happened in the past. But we can just look at the construct through the eye of mindful contemplation. What's the, the narrative? What's the structure? How's it felt? 
Can we see gaps in the narrative? Can we just know feeling just as this much, unpleasant, pleasant, without the grasping and the aversion, without the reactivity of the mind? So in this way we can contemplate both the arising of dukkha, this is the experience of dukkha, we can contemplate what's generating that, moments of I want it otherwise, I don't want what's here, and moments of when the dukkha ceases, non-struggle, just is, And to also be able to notice that not just always being stuck on the struggle. Noticing the sky, noting the expanse of the snow, the leaves on the tree, the trees without leaves. Sometimes in our our monastic training we'd have the three-month winter retreats every year. In, in, in the winter. And it, the landscape in, in the Northern Hemisphere, where I, I primarily trained in England, would be like the landscape here. The trees would be bare. It would be everything, the, the, the na- nature sort of withdrawn into itself. And days like this, sort of long days, and our teacher would encourage us to contemplate the peacefulness of winter, the bareness of the trees, and hear the the monotone of the landscape as a as a sort of sign for the mind to contemplate not always the the complex and the colourful and the interesting, but to allow the mind to rest on these not these signs that don't activate a lot of desire or fear or aversion or activity. Contemplating the non-dukkha, the peaceful, the ordinary, the space. When we come into a room, we look at the people who's here, who's not here, like and dislike, but do we notice the space that is happening within? We look at the content of the mind, the thoughts, the feelings, the narratives, the reactions, but do we look at the space of awareness within which everything is manifesting? Our teacher used to teach in the London Underground or the subway. When you step off, they always have this gap. And so this automated voice would go, mind the gap, mind the gap. So he used to teach, mind the gap. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, when we're in a train of thought, it's so fascinating to us. There's space around that, there's gaps within it. When the constructs dissolve, they're quick to scramble around, I've got to think of something else. Mind the gap. 
Or as Master Wa would say, patience with the non-production of dharmas. You don't always have to produce and create something interesting. And then we think, well, who would I be if I'm not thinking about something? If I'm not suffering like mad? If I'm not planning? Patience with the non-production. Letting things cease. Hanging out in the space. Seeing the space around thinking. Moments of who's thinking? I am. (laughs) Moments of just seeing, just seeing, hearing, tasting, moments of experience, just like this, just this much, without the big creation of the drama production. Mindfulness is supported by effort. And this is a very important factor of the path. Classically, it's described that the effort to avoid unwholesome states and overcome unwholesome states already arisen, to develop wholesome states and to maintain wholesome states that have already arisen. So we're cultivating both of those in this practice to explore how our efforts connect with our energy, our vitality, how we actually move within life. And how often we move between being too driven and too collapsed. And we sort of like take on something and we keep, we go for it in a, in a very strong way. We, we want to achieve something. And then when that finishes, we find ourselves deflated and collapsed. And then if there's nothing very interesting happening, we just sort of check out until we find something that stimulates us again. So we bring these patterns into our, into our meditation or, or we begin to see them We have a meditation object that we're working with, being with breath, being with how it is, and we can approach that with a a lot of sometimes willfulness, controlling, wanting to get to an outcome, goal. We have an idea in our mind where what we want, we want a peaceful state. And then sometimes when that eludes us, we find ourselves getting impatient, aversive, brittle, headachy, critical, tense, frustrated. All of which is a sign that we're coming from an effort that's not balanced. Too much pushed. And conversely, we might find ourselves having too, not enough effort. So we just sort of sit here, we think we're doing vipassana, reflecting, but we're just sort of floating along in a sort of cotton wool state. It's a bit comfortable. And we don't really sharpen the effort. 
you know, or we get lost or uncertain, confused, what's going on, what, 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 how, doubt. We just sort of get pushed along with whatever's arising. We go here with that thought, we go there with that. Procrastinating, collapsed, overwhelmed, these kinds of states that uh, reveal a loss of focus. So we can know, and sometimes we move between both because we both have, we have all of those patterns and tendencies. So we can really explore how we're out of balance and then subtle ways of bringing ourselves into balance if we're too tight and willful. Then maybe exploring relaxing, softening the effort, relaxing the body, breathing out, noticing the out-breath. Noticing the feeling of releasing as we breathe out. (coughs) Being patient, allowing. Being willing to be with how it is, rather than trying to push through what we are experiencing. Or maybe if we get too, our tendency is just to get lost, confused, and maybe bring up a goal, five breaths. Can I just be with five mindful breaths? Touch your finger to each, your thumb to each finger, breathing in, following the breath, breathing out, next breath, and so on. Start again when you get lost. It's a feeling of just achieving a little goal and then building on that so you can have the feeling, what is it to be focused? It brings a bit of energy, pleasure, the pleasure of that. So exploring this balance of effort, right effort, and then more subtly what's called effortless effort, when there is balance, and even more subtly the emptying of the sense of self making the effort is the ease. We talk about Kuan Yin, the one who regards sound, contemplates the world at ease. This is an expression, the one who contemplates. Kuan Yin is the, is the contemplating, regarding sound, is the vipassana, the seeing deeply into the nature of conditions from this contemplative ease, not from the sense of self trying to get somewhere, trying to crush something, but emptying the sense of self, the sense of time. I've got to do this, I've only got a few days left of the retreat, got to crack it open. Emptying the sense of getting somewhere or accumulating something. So this effortless effort is a real balance within an attunement to the simple naked awareness of now, breathing with how it is, contemplating at ease deeply the states that are arising, noticing, noting how they are, feeling, perception, dukkha, non-dukkha, and the passing, the vanishing, And in this way, as is said, Kuan Yin 
in the Heart Sutra, Avalokiteshvara, pointing to the way of living without walls of the mind, leaving dream thinking far behind, ultimately Nibbana. Jatukani's question to the Buddha. Then the student Jatukani spoke. I have heard, he said, that there is an ocean crosser, a hero desiring the desireless. So I have come to ask a question of this man without desire. Tell me this. I of instant seeing, knowing, what is the state of peace? Please explain it to me as it really is, because you, Master, rule desire and pleasure like the sun with heat and light rules and controls the earth. I have only a little understanding, sir, and you are a globe full of wisdom. Tell me how to find and know the way of giving up this world of births and agings. The Buddha replied to Jatukani, Lose the greed for pleasure. See how letting go of this world is peacefulness. There is nothing that you need to hold on to and there is nothing that you need to push away. Dry up the remains of your past and have nothing for your future. If you do not cling even to the present, then you can go from place to place in peace. There is a greed that fixes on the individual body-mind. When that greed has completely gone, then, student, there will be no more inner poison drives, without which you are immune from death. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.